Welcome to School Choice Report, where we explore everything about one of the most important education topics. I'm your host, David Hardy. In this podcast, we'll be talking to experts, educators, and parents to get a deep dive into the world of school choice. Whether you're an advocate, skeptic, or just curious, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's get started with the conversation. Hello, and welcome to the School Choice Report. My name is David Hardy. Today, our guest is Andrew Campanella. Andrew Campanella has served as president of National School Choice Week since 2012 and is one of the nation's leading experts on K-12 school choice. He serves as the chairman and CEO of the National School Choice Awareness Foundation. Throughout his career, Andrew has provided insightful, thought-provoking commentary about educational options in local and regional and national media outlets and thousands of interviews. He is an award-winning author, and his op-eds have appeared on Fox Business, Real Clear Politics, The Daily Caller, and many more media outlets. With National School Choice Week just around the corner, we're excited to have him on the show. Andrew, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you, David. I appreciate it. Glad to have you. I can just jump right into the questions. National School Choice Week is an organization that, and these are your words, informs, inspires, and empowers parents to discover the K-12 education options available to their children while generating widespread public awareness of the importance of opportunity in K-12 education. Tell me about the different types of school choice that your organization seeks to raise awareness about. Sure. So there are really seven different types of education options Mm -hmm. that we raise awareness of and we raise equal awareness of because we believe that parents know their kids best and are best qualified to choose the learning environments where their students are most likely to learn, thrive and succeed. And so we don't preference one type of option over another. So with that, we support traditional public schools and open enrollment programs that let families choose between and among schools inside and outside their districts, high quality public charter schools, public magnet schools that focus on themes like math, science, technology, and the Mm -hmm. arts, Mm -hmm. private and faith-based schools and private school choice programs, online schools, homeschools, and new options like micro-schooling and -and mix-and-match learning. So we raise awareness about all those options with the goal of helping families discover what's out there for their kids, raising awareness about the importance of even having these choices, and then helping families find and navigate the options available because so many families want to make a different choice but don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a pretty eclectic bunch you guys (laughs) you're working with. (laughs) It really, really is, yes. How do you herd these cats? (laughs) Through relentless positivity. And so- Uh When I explain to people that National School Choice Week has 24,875 schools, they automatically assume that most of them are private schools. In reality, the highest number of school participants are district schools, followed by private schools and then 5,000 charter schools. So we have a lot of public sector participants. And the way that we're able to work with everybody, and we really do work with everybody, is by being positive about options for families We never say a bad word about any one type of school. We let parents make up their own minds, and we try to inspire families about what's possible for their own kids. And so that's what's been the secret to 
our growth and success is we don't get involved in the politics. We don't advocate for specific legislation. We let uh, people know what's out there and why choice is a good thing. Well, I think a lot of our listeners will be surprised to hear from you that your biggest number of students, our biggest number of schools are traditional public schools. But the fact is, is that public schools have offered school choice for a while. It just hasn't been as as many options as maybe people would like to have seen. But I think they understand that variety is important in education. Would you agree? Absolutely. So there are a few interesting things here. You always hear the argument that traditional public schools or folks at traditional public schools don't support school choice. And I think there's a distinction that needs to be made. There are a lot of educators at public schools, a lot of leaders of individual schools that are incredibly proud of what they offer to kids in their communities. And they want to be a part of this discussion where you've got 50% of America's parents saying that they talked about school choice or their decision-making around education, friends or family, within the last week or month. Public schools want to be a part of those discussions because they're proud of what they offer. So that's why we have public schools participating, because they say, if families have options, we want to be in the game. And we understand that, and we help them celebrate what they have to offer, along with what charter schools, magnet schools, private schools, homeschooling collaboratives, micro schools, and all the different options out there, what they have to offer as well. Now, as as the name of your organization implies, school choice is celebrated for one week each year. And 2024, National School Choice Week is going to be celebrated January 21st through the 27th. Tell me about all the types of events that you have planned and tell our listeners how they can get involved and learn more. Sure. So National School Choice Week is a time for schools and education providers all across the country to let families in their communities know what they offer, to let community leaders know how school choice is benefiting their communities in states to raise broad awareness among stakeholders, the media, and the public about the availability and benefits of choice. And then finally, for individual families to start the process of looking for schools if they want. So we have different types of events that we work with in collaboration with schools and nonprofits across the country, 27,000 events and activities, but 70 big events across 46 states. For example, in Pennsylvania, there are large-scale school fairs in Pittsburgh and in the Philadelphia area that families can go to to learn about a variety of different education options in those cities. We have similar events in New Jersey, similar events all across the country as well as celebrations at state capitals. For example, in Harrisburg, where hundreds of kids will gather to talk about how school choice has transformed their lives for the better. These aren't about advocating for new laws. These are about talking about the personal stories of individual kids and families. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I watched, uh, I'm in Philadelphia, of course, and I watched pretty closely the evolution of the school fair here. And it started out, it was run by the school district, and it was held at Temple's basketball. It was at their arena, and it was fairly large. It was all the public high schools and all the charter high schools. And then they moved it because they didn't want to rent the space from Temple. Right. They moved it to the school district headquarters, and they crammed us all in into their lobby, and it just wasn't the same kind of, of thing. So then a private organization took it over. 
and moved it. First, they moved it out to the armory at Drexel University. And then they finally, they moved it to uh, the convention center here. And they opened it up to all the high schools and public, private, charter, everybody. And it is an amazing day. You can go and see just about every high school in town in this in this thing. And, and it's a great opportunity. I don't, you know, I, I'm kind of wondering why we weren't doing that from the very beginning. Right. And that type of event, while we don't plan that event uh, that mm-hmm. you're referring to, those are the types of events that our organization works closely with partners on organizing. Right. Events that are welcoming to family so that when you walk in the door, you're not walking into central office. You're walking into a place that feels like, uh, for lack of a, a not corny term, land of opportunity. Right. So you're going there. There's so many schools. There are so many booths, so many tables, so many options so that you can get inspired about what might be a good fit for your child and then not make a decision on the spot, but take the next step to schedule a school tour or ask more questions or collect information so that you can narrow down your options. And that's what we want every family to do. And we want them to do it in the winter and not wait until summer break. Because as you know, David, as a school leader and a school founder, the hardest thing for you, right, is when so many people try to apply for entry in July, August, September. You know, you can't meet the demand that quickly. Maybe you can, but many folks can't. No, nobody. Very few people can, right? Right. Okay, so from where you sit, observing school choices, school, excuse me, school choice across all 50 states, how would you describe school choice, the school choice landscape in America? Currently, what trends do you expect to see in 2024? So last year, 2023, was absolutely incredible in terms of the advancement of choice. We saw 20 states expand public and non-public choice in some way, shape, or form. And it's incredibly exciting. What I think about uh, in terms of 2024, I think about really three words. Number one, innovation. Number two, inspiration. And number three, navigation. So when it comes to innovation, there are a few things that have really changed the landscape over the last two or three years. One of them is this rise of micro schools and mix and match learning and the really concentrated and positive spotlight that organizations like the Yas Prize have focused on non-traditional learning and learning that is developed by parents working together with educators and some of the most exciting and dynamic uh, schools and learning providers out there. I think that that innovation is going to lead the way going forward in 24. I- well, so just hold up for a second. I just I just went to the the finals for the Yas Prize last month in New York City, and this is my second year going. And every year, I am really surprised at all the innovative programs and things that they've found all over this country. I mean, it's amazing. It's really really cool, and I think that 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 whole concept of spotlighting, elevating, and then allowing to expand these really interesting and innovative options leads to the second trend I see for 2024, which is inspiration. When families see these options, they want more choices in their communities. They say, hey, why can't we have a sale academy in our area? Why can't we have more micro-schooling options? Why can't we have high-quality public charter schools or access to existing private schools through opportunity scholarship and tax credit programs? Why can't we have open enrollment so that we can choose different public schools outside of our zones? So that inspiration, I think, is going to be crucial. And finally, navigation. 
One of the things we're going to focus on this year is helping families better navigate their options, not just during School Choice Week itself, but on a year-round basis. We're even creating a whole new organization called Navigate that will help do that. And we want families to have as much information, unbiased, practical, jargon-free as they can so that disadvantaged families in particular face fewer barriers when they want to make choices. Well, you know, they just had, uh, I guess it was last week, they had the International School Choice Conference. I think it was in Madrid or it was in Madrid or Barcelona, someplace in Spain. But the point here is this. I, I started going to this thing about uh, three years ago, and it amazes me how in Europe there is so much, there seems to be so much more school choice. It seems to be educational pluralism. So the right. government pays for a variety of types of education and nobody is no backbiting in that situation because everybody's treated fairly. I'm, I'm wondering why we can't do something like that in our country. You know, I think you probably know the answers to this uh, just as well as I do, that there's unfortunately so much, so many obstacles to the advancement of choice. And mm -hmm. what I want families to know and I want everybody listening to know is that there's this big myth out there that people who are opposed to school choice are only opposed to private school choice. And they're only opposed to ESAs or vouchers, and they talk mm -hmm. about privatization. But the reality is, if you ask those same people who oppose private school choice, whether they would back an open enrollment program, mm -hmm. look at the data. We just conducted some research over the last few weeks. The same groups that frequently oppose ESAs, vouchers, and tax credits and charter schools, which are public schools, mm -hmm. but claim to support public school choice. When an open enrollment bill is proposed, they oppose it with as much ferocity as they do the ESA programs. What this is about is wanting as much predictability when it comes to budgets and funding as possible, not about what's right for the kids, not about what's right for families. And what we need to do is create an environment where all schools are funded effectively. They get as much resources as they need to succeed, but families are not deprived of choices because you you can have both. Right. Well, you hit it on the head. It's money. It's all about the money. And 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 quite frankly, if you look at people who, who have success um, in getting their kids educated, the people who have the most success are the people who have the most options. You're only, you're only going to choose one. But to have multiple options, to be able to look at a variety of choices and say, this is the very best one for my child, I mean, that is very empowering. And, and what it does is it, it just creates a higher probability of success. It does. And the research shows that the mere process, I say mere, but it's actually a really awesome process, the process of going through and actively choosing how and where your child learns regardless of what school you end up choosing, what type of school, your child has a better chance of success, higher graduation rates, increased student achievement, higher lifelong earnings because you went through that process. And so I encourage all families, even if you don't think you have a lot of options in your community, go through the process. We have free resources on our website, uh, schoolchoiceweek.com, that helps you go through the seven steps to choosing a school or learning environment. Do it. Go through it. Look into your options. You will be better off for it and your kids will have more opportunities.
Okay. Well, my final question, and you kind of alluded to it in in your last answer about the hurdles that are impeding school choice. How can we move past those past those hurdles? And and likewise, what do you observe that is working, and how can we expand the success of school choice so that every child has access to uh, uh, the education that they deserve? Boy, I could go on for a long time in answer to that question. I think, you know, the biggest obstacle that exists advancing school choice to not get too into the weeds is really a lack of vision among some folks. They can't see beyond the next budget year. They can't see beyond the current funding formula. They can't see that, you know, if you trade just a little bit of predictability when it comes to funding for the possibility of more funding. If students choose your school, which actually would lead to increased funds, you might be in a better situation. I think that lack of vision and the fear of the unknown is what holds back school choice because opponents lack that vision. And what I think we need to do as a movement is remind folks who oppose choice that we are not in this because we want to advance one type of option above others for all kids. This is not about saying that one type of option is not doing a good job writ large and that all kids need to switch to a different environment like a charter school or to go on to an ESA. It's about saying we need to empower parents to make decisions about what's right for their individual kids. And we're letting them choose because they're the experts on their kids. And so I think positive messaging and spotlighting effective public sector choices in addition to private choices is the way to go. I think that nobody benefits when the debates over school choice focus on things that I would best describe as like culture war topics that seek to divide people who otherwise could be natural allies in this work. I've seen that over the past few years. I'm disappointed in it. And I think we can do better. Yeah. It does get a little contentious in this <laughs> in this business. Yeah, and we all like even within the movement, we all want to work together. And then some of the rhetoric, I mean, let alone the rhetoric from the opponents, which is just awful, but some of the rhetoric within the movement to me can be it just unproductive. You're not persuading people with it. You know, you've already got a base of people who support school choice. And that's a huge base. It's like 70% of people. You're never going to get the 30 other percent. <laughs> and, and the thing that gets me, that's what I keep saying. Why do we do things to reduce our numbers? <laughs> you know, that's the wrong way. When you've got 70% of people supporting something, and I'm not joking when I say this, David. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. The percentage of people who say they like pasta it's higher than the percent of people who drink coffee every day. I mean, this is not really controversial when you ask a parent. The only way it becomes controversial is if we allow opponents to continue injecting controversy into it and when we use controversial language ourselves. And so we try not to. That doesn't mean you can't spotlight how it's unfair that some kids are confined to schools that are not working for them with no way out. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, look, let's expand the tent, not shrink it. Right, right. Well, Andrew, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. You too. And I'm I'm looking forward to School Choice Week, as I, as I always do each year. Um, what's your website so our listeners can go on and find more information? Absolutely. Schoolchoiceweek.com. So much stuff there for individual parents as well as for schools. Schoolchoiceweek.com. All right. Thank you so much. Our guest has been Andrew Campanella. 
the chairman and CEO of National School Choice Awareness Foundation and the guy behind National School Choice Week. That's it for today's episode of School Choice Report. I hope you found the conversation enlightening and informative. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us at schoolchoicereport.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. Until next time, this is David Hardy signing off. Thanks for tuning in.